You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. Please be advised that this production may contain strobe effects, loud or sudden noises, nudity, and but probably not. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. (laughs) Oh, ye of little faith. Was a good vent. Felt good. It feels good to like talk it out. I guess with like-minded persons, yeah. but also with a person that even if we don't have, if we don't share the same opinion, it's more of an education than, yeah. than like outwardly, right. talking down someone. Right. Anyway, I'm <laughs> depressed. Bananas, guys. We're we're <laughs> living in a world right now. I know. It's oh, like the coronavirus. Goodness. Presidential stupidity. <laughs> like, if yeah, I could say stu- that, yeah, no. no I, who even like? Listen, we're in a state of emergency, so like, yeah. there's this whole martial law thing going on, yeah. and who knows what's gonna like? Freedom of speech is gonna be one of the first things that they say. <laughs> nope, nobody can talk bad about our president right now, and that's not a good place to be. It's not. It's not. So we just. I'm okay. pretty sure I've recorded on this podcast not nice stuff. <laughs> Well, that's because we did have freedom of speech then. <laughs> yeah. We we could say we can. Hey, listen, we were grandfathered in. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so we just recorded the last episode that you heard, which was the mini sub that we recorded on Sunday, March fifteenth. I feel like I'm talking from the future. It's the same date. We're just rec- we're going to record this full episode, but we just had this nice little interlude where we <laughs> talked about all of the horrible things that's go- that are going on in this country and in this world and. It just made me a little depressed. So, sorry. let's talk about theater. Yeah! Welcome! It's a full episode, guys! Oh What's up? Gosh. We're actually going to talk about our show this time. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be amazing. Although, I did warn you that yeah. the show that I picked 
did not have anything on Wikipedia. Well, 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 chat. We're going to get there. It's not going to be the same format that it normally is. It's going to feel a little scattered, but it will get all the information out there. Okay. It is, um... A kind of exciting episode. I'm really I'm excited. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to share. <laughs> so this show was called Censored Scenes from King Kong. So weird. I, I don't even know what this is about. <laughs> this is so weird. I mean, probably censored scenes from uh, King Kong. From King Kong, probably. Um, the thing, the thing is, when you put that on the list, yeah. that that show was available to do. As yeah. a, I thought. No, certainly that's not a Broadway show. Maybe she just wrote that down. It was a mistake or she copied pasted yeah. wrong. I, it was a show. It was a show. <laughs> yeah. On the Broadway. Yes. I, 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 and I'm more confused, I think, than, <laughs> than anybody. And she did the research. And I did the research. So, <laughs> so I've got a couple of sources. Um, one of them was actually one of the forums on broadwayworld.com, oh, cool. which is really cool. And I'm excited to share that information because it's like firsthand account of someone that actually saw the show that. and what his thoughts were. Um, I've also got American Theater, colon, A Chronicle of Comedy and Drama, okay. 1969 to 2000 by, oh, shoot, the name is, oh, wait, let me just, can I, well, it's not going to let me. Uh... Uh, Thomas something. <laughs> Shoot, let me see if I can. Sorry. Well, I was uh, prepared. <laughs> well, anyway, okay, so in the another book was The Complete Book of 1980s Broadway Musicals by Dan Dietz. Okay. And then another uh, source was Broadway Plays and Musicals, colon, Descriptions and Essential Facts. Ooh, that sounds of, interesting. Yes. Oh, this is the same uh, same writer, so oh, Thomas cool. S. Hishak, okay, who also did the American Theater colon A Chronicle of Comedy and Drama of 1969 to 2000. Awesome. Okay, so I'm just gonna read from you from that first source that I mentioned. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was making sure it was still blue. <laughs> uh, it is. It is yeah, blue. It is. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, blue meaning the microphone that is plugged into the <laughs> computer right now because Puddle keeps walking past it and knocking it away. Because he's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Censored Scenes from King Kong was a British import billed as a comic extravaganza, but it did not take audiences long to realize they were facing one of the most tedious of the season's short-lived disasters. Howard Schumann's comedy was set in a tacky 1930s-style nightclub in present-day London, where investigative journalist Stephen, uh, oh, Stephen was his name, but the the actor who played him was Stephen Collins, who played the father in Seventh Heaven. Oh. Isn't that fun? <laughs> uh, oh, this was, by the way, I guess I should say this because it's gonna it's gonna bring it about, but I didn't actually say it out loud. So, okay. this uh, show was set to open on March sixth, nineteen eighty. Okay. And I've got more information on that later. Okay. But uh, so when it says present day, what it means is the nineteen eighties, okay. I guess. Yeah. Uh, So, set in a nightclub in present-day London where investigative journalist Stephen has come from Tokyo because he's searching for the truth regarding classified information. 
It seems that the old film King Kong contained information for secret agents, but the pertinent scenes were cut before the movie was distributed in Europe. At the club, Stephen encounters tough proprietor Benchgelter, who was played by Chris Sarandon. Oh, wow. I know, of uh, Princess, Bride. Princess Bride. What else did he do? That I can I can't think of anything he's done right now. I but to remember. <laughs> there you go. Um, and his piano player Walter Wilma, played by Edward Love, who echo uh, Bogey and Sam in Casablanca. So they're the kind of yes. Um, Carrie Fisher. It's bananas. I know, and Alma Cuervo, who performs some ludicrous songs and a variety of shady characters. Uh, all played by Peter Reigert. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that was the end of a sentence. Let me go back and read that again <laughs> since I interrupted myself so often. Um, at the club, Stephen encounters the tough proprietor Benchgelter and his piano player Walter Wilma. Uh, and the singing and dancing Fantucci sisters, played by Carrie Fisher and Alma Cuervo, who perform some ludicrous songs and a variety of shady characters, all played by Peter Reigert. The reviews were vehemently negative. I know. I don't think I've ever heard the word vehemently no. describing the criticisms of a show before. I know. Uh, on, some I know. Some uh, examples are a lousy evening, the worst exclamation point, and oh. yeah, I know. Uh, they were vehe vehemently negative, and the annoying venture closed after five showings. They even called it an annoying venture. Yeah. I feel bad. For no, those that was Thomas saying that. And the annoying venture was then. Like that was his words, not critics. But I'm sure maybe so that was in there somewhere. Them. Totally. So the princess was the theater that was in. What is the princess now? Do you know? The where, princess where theater? Is it? Where? it doesn't say in here. Oh. I might come up on it later on. I think I do come up you, on it. If you know the streets, I could say. It doesn't say it in here. It does say that it used to be the 22 Steps Theater. That helps you at all. It didn't for me. No. And I should have looked that up, and I didn't. But that's okay. Um, okay, so... Yeah, so five showings. And I so those think, were previews and never made it to open? No, it did have pre. Those were the, the opening five shows, and it closed. So they did have previews, and, and I think I've got... that was opening night. Right, exactly. Uh, so March 6th, closed opening 1980. Night. Then it had five shows. Then it closed. I know, craziness. Wow. So now I'm going to switch over to the other book written by Thomas Hishak. Because you're, th like, Carrie Fisher was... I know. I mean, well, that was she two wasn't... seconds after, after was, Star Wars. Yes. Although, and I wonder, was Star Wars not as popular when it first came out in 78? I think it was, because they had three... I thought it was too. Yeah, like Princess so, Leia was a big deal. So like, it should have been a, a big lot deal, of dudes had right? Her photo up on their wall. Like, yeah, she was a big deal. I um, I mean, gosh. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's true though. Like, even if you have a star in your show, if if people don't like the show, yeah. Even if they really like one actor. Mm-hmm. You it's might not. get some audiences, yeah. some audience members, but not a whole lot. And everything counted on reviews so much more than oh, it does yeah. now. Like nowadays, you can get a bad review and still people will come to see it. Yeah. Because nobody so believes those reviews anymore. Right. They're like, oh, come on. 
I'm sure you just saying that because you wanted to be an actor too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is this. It's the same author, so it does echo a little bit of what I just read in the other one, but there is a little bit more information, just slightly. Um, comedy by Howard Schumann, Princess Theater, five performances. It's uh, in a tacky London night. Oh, I said Echo, and Echo is the one in the bedroom. Oh Sorry God. about that. So I don't know funny. if you guys heard that or not, but... I um, heard something. I thought it was people in the hall. I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to it. So, in a tacky London nightclub, investigator Stephen runs across a bunch of shady characters while looking for cutscenes from the movie King Kong that contain pertinent information for secret agents. <laughs> and that was basically it. It says the British spy spoof had found success in London, but the Broadway version was berated by the critics as tedious, annoying, and unfunny. So London loved it, America hated it. Yes, but there's a difference. Okay. Um, so Howard Schumann wrote this, initially he wrote it for a televised version in London in 1973, I believe. Um, I have that information somewhere as well. Like I said, this is a little scattered because I didn't write it out in a format like I normally do yeah. because there wasn't a huge amount of information. So I was pulling from a lot of different sources. But uh, his televised version was actually much better received than the Broadway version was. It's essentially the same show. Um, it did give a little bit more information when it was giving the, the scenario of the televised version, which leads me to believe either that it was changed slightly for Broadway mm -hmm. or that whoever was writing the stuff about the Broadway didn't think that it was important to include those that those little details. One of those mm -hmm. details was that Stephen, who's the investigative reporter, woke up in Tokyo after being in a coma for a while thinking that he was still fighting in, I guess, the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. So he is still at war in his own mind and he's looking for any excuse that he can find for you know to looking for the enemy everywhere he can so that's basically why he's like no no i heard about these scenes in king kong that had been deleted i bet those scenes have secret spy information and if i can find those then i'll know who the enemy is and i'll know what my next assignment is it's like a kind of a psychotic break almost thing <laughs> which is actually kind of a neat idea yeah um, but I think that they just didn't, it didn't play well. Uh, I think a lot of the London people said it's too campy and American mm -hmm. and the American audiences didn't think it was funny. Yeah. So you just had kind of a disconnect. I'm like, why? That sounds like I would watch it on like Amazon Prime or something as like a, not as a musical. Right. You know, no music. It, it, it doesn't sing to me? Well, it's a play with music. Okay. So it is slightly different from a musical. Like, take I think, out the music. Yeah. Just make it like Well, I think the music is supposed to fit in like the, like any kind of nightclub or bar scene okay. in a movie okay. where you've got some music kind of playing through. The Fantucci sisters are the two, like Alma Cuervo and Debbie, um, Debbie, uh, Carrie Fisher yeah. <laughs> um, are the Fantucci sisters who are a vaudeville sister act. Mm -hmm. So it does lend itself to that kind of thing, but it's not really necessary. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I mean, I think it it does have a potential as long as you know how to tell it. Yeah. Because you know what I say a lot is a good story is a good story is a good story. Yeah. And that is true. I still stand behind that right. altogether. 
but there is also so much in the editing process yeah, yeah. that makes a story well told. Right, right. So maybe that's what was missing here. Yeah. Um, so this one is the 1980s, complete book of 1980s Broadway musicals, written by Dan Dietz. So this one has a little more actual information. <laughs> um, censored scenes from King Kong, also known as a comic extravaganza, um, played at the Princess Theater, and the opening date was March 6, 1980, closing date March 9, 1980, after five performances. Um, it says play and lyrics, so I, I imagine that just means the book and the lyrics I've never seen it written out like that before. Play and lyrics. Maybe that's because it's British. Maybe. Because most of yeah, the stuff we've, we've done has, we, I think we only did like maybe one or two Rocky things. Rocky Horror. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, that might be it. Yeah. Uh, so play and lyrics by Howard Schumann, who we've already mentioned. Music by Andy Roberts. <laughs> Direction by Colin Buxey. Uh, producers Michael White, Eddie Kulukundus. Good grief. Yeah. I'm sorry, Eddie. I just butchered your name. Uh, choreographer, David Taguri. Scenery, Mike Porter. Costumes, Jennifer Von Meyerhauser. Oh, I wonder. My um, production stage manager for Phantom of the Opera was Peter Von Meyerhauser. I oh, wonder if there's any connection. relation. Interesting. Uh Lighting, Richard Nelson, and musical direction mm. is not credited. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I know. That's a huge part. Part. You'd think maybe Andy Roberts did it, but then why wouldn't it have been credited? Right. That's weird. I wish there was more information. Like I so wish that I could have found the juicy details. Oh well. So the cast, uh, some of them I mentioned. Stephen Collins played Stephen. Nikki Myholes. <laughs> How, how is it spelled? M-I-E-H-O-L-E-S. Mm -hmm. My holes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the 1980s that didn't sound so dirty. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's also real late right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. He played the voice, uh, or she, I'm assuming it's a man, though, mm -hmm. uh, played the voice of the producer. Mm -hmm. Pete Flasher was the voice of the author. Mm -hmm. Peter Reigert played S.K. Vogel and S.L. Vogel. Sauvage Cigar, Vincenzo Chiarugi. Those characters were okay. all played by Peter Reigert. The Fantucci, oh, the fan, oh, I was saying Fantucci. It is not. It's the Fantaccini sisters, mm -hmm. played by Carrie Fisher, played Iris, and Alma Cuervo, played Deborah. Chris Sarandon, played Benchgelter. Edward Love, played Walter Wilma. The play with music was presented in two acts. The action takes place in London during the present time. Musical numbers included Act 1, and there's not very many, so I'm just going to say them all. Act okay. 1 had Hacha, Banana Oil, He Ain't Scared of Nothing, Banana oil. and Act 2 had number 1, Soft Shoe Freak, The Other Side of the Wall. So it was not very many. And that's why it, and the names of the titles led me, that's why it was like, I think they were just kind of during the show, yeah. here's the song that we sing during our show and then we'll do the action afterward. I'm not taking you out. <sighs> All right. 
So the work advertised itself as a comic extravaganza, but as far as the critics were concerned, Howard Schumann's play with songs, censored, censored scenes from King Kong, offered little in the way of comedy. And with one set and six-member me six cast, along with pre-recorded music and an offstage piano, one assumes the word extravaganza was used tongue-in-cheek, along with Heartaches of a Pussycat and Bruce Forsyth on Broadway, uh, which has an exclamation point, that's why I said it like that, <laughs> which had opened during the previous summer, Censored Scenes was the shortest-running musical of the season. The show had first been seen in the Edinburgh Festival in 1977 and was followed by a London production at the Open Space Theatre on October 21st, 1977. A few years prior to its stage premiere, the work was reportedly filmed by the BBC with a cast that in included Julie Covington, but the network later declined to telecast the production. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, it appears the film has never been shown publicly. And along with the 1929 film version of The Five O'Clock Girl may well be the only film version of the play to be shelved upon completion and never released. That's interesting because some of the stuff that I read were people that had seen the film version. The film version. So it's never been televised. So I imagine it's got to be somewhere. It has to be. All the action took place in the system which is a tacky London nightclub where former journalist Stephen is investigating the rumor that cut scenes from the 1933 film of King Kong contained coded and secret information for German agents during the years before World War II. As a result, the spies had to wait for Son of Kong in order to ascertain if that film might contain more secret information, or maybe the deleted scenes had nothing whatsoever to do with politics and were instead coded messages for an international dope ring. The plot wasn't any too clear. Oh, man. <laughs> and the critics weren't entirely certain what the play was about. But Joel Siegel on WABC TV 7 was sure there ain't no Nazis in the story, and the only international dopes were the ones who brought the play to Broadway. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> so this will kind of go into the synopsis a little bit. Okay. At the club, Stephen meets the system's owner, Benchgelter and the club's black piano player, Walter Wilma, mm -hmm. both of whom brought to mind another movie, Casablanca. Mm -hmm. Among the club's menagerie are Iris and Deborah, two singers and dancers who hope to make it in, the sh in show business, as well as a trio of mysterious characters, all played by Peter Reigert. In what is memorable, uh, oh, in what is perhaps a pre-producer's homage, one of Reigert's roles was that of Sauvage Sagar, a collector of King Kong memorabilia. He's unable to walk without the help of canes, and at one point he tosses sand on the stage, clicks his metal canes in place, and proceeds to go into a mean soft shoe. The headline of Douglas Watts' review in the New York Daily News said to drop it off at Empire State Building because the show was a disaster and a god-awful mess with dumb songs. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't pull any punches. That's actually kind of really hilarious. I'm going to read that again because this is kind of, this is unheard of. Nobody would ever have written that nowadays. No. I don't think so. No. The headline. This is the headline of Douglas Watts' review in uh -huh, the New bananas. York Daily News. Mm -hmm. Said to drop it off at Empire State Building because the show was a disaster and a god-awful mess with dumb songs. <laughs> That's the headline. Wow. <laughs> 
Siegel said, <laughs> the evening had no material, only remnants. His television review included a snippet of one of the show's songs, and he noted it. It was one of the six worst songs ever performed on a Broadway stage oh. and warned that the other five were in the show, too. <laughs> Man. Oh, my lordy. I'm sorry How that I'm laughing. How did they get this money? Because when mm. you have to do these workshops. Yeah. Well, this was different. I mean, this was the 80s. So I feel like it was a different process back then. And he had this by all accounts, kind of successful run in London, mm -hmm. and he had had it televised, and although it wasn't accepted, he had a name, Howard Schumann was right. was a person that wrote Musical. stuff. Yeah, shows, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dennis Cunningham on WCBS TV 2 said the first act was confused. The first 20 minutes of the second were consistently zany, and then the remainder of the second act collapsed. As a result, it was impossible to go ape over. Oh, man. <laughs> They're pulling Should out the Should have known these were coming. I know, right? Mel Gusso in the New York Times noted that the evening was sparse on laughs and about as spectacular as a cocktail piano. The show was as whimsical as it was witless, and the and it was oh and it was sub Monty Python in its comedy. He mentioned that one line spoken by Carrie Fisher summed up the entire evening. What a load of banana oil! Oh, man. That's the line. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Princess Theater, which was no relation to the fabled theater on West 39th Street that had seen the premieres of a series of so-called princess musicals by Jerome Kern was oh, and was demolished in 1955. That was all parenthetical, by the way. Okay. Um, the Princess Theater had been the site of a popular nightclub in the Latin Quarter. The venue was located at Broadway and West 47th Street. Any idea? Broadway if there is even still... A theater there? Yeah. Wait, I'm trying to think of what's on the 47th and Broadway. Oh, wait, think... let me read more because now it says some more that okay. may lead, shed some light here. Um, so, let's see. The venue is located at Broadway and West 47th Street, once the spot of the closed uh, nightclub in the Latin Quarter. The space eventually deteriorated into an X-rated movie house, but was briefly resurrected as a traditional theater known as 22 Steps when Coquelico opened in February 1979. The theater was so named because one had to ascend 22 steps in order to reach the auditorium, which was located on the second floor of the Midtown building. The venue is generally considered as both a Broadway and off-Broadway house, but it appears most, if not all, of its productions were under a middle or limited Broadway contract. Um, the theater seated only 450 patrons, but except for an occasional opening night, it's unlikely the venue ever enjoyed a sold-out performance. 
I'm wondering if that's the theater where like the Fantastics was for a long time. Right, that's called the Theater Center. And it has like uh, multiple theaters inside of mm -hmm. it now. I'm gonna look. Because it does the perfect crime too. Yeah. And I know you have to go upstairs to get to the auditorium there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You look that up and I'm gonna keep reading. In 1980, the theater was renamed The Princess, but by 1984, it reverted to its original name, The Latin Quarter. The final show to play there was Charles Strauss Mayer. Maybe I should just keep reading this, and we'll get all the information that we need. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that. Um, the final show to play there was Charles Strauss's Mayer, which transferred from Off-Broadway in 1985. In 1989, the building that housed the theater was demolished, and today a hotel stands on the site. Sorry, there you go. There's oh, your answer. What? It doesn't say which hotel, okay. um, but Broadway and West 47th Street would probably have a couple. Clive Barnes in the New York Post commented that the theater season would be hard-pressed to outmatch in horror the little number called Censored Scenes from King Kong. The headline of his review read that Kong was more to be pitied than censored. Ooh. That's rough, man. I know. These are rough. Yeah. I'm not used to yeah, that. Yeah, nobody's pulling punches on this one. Jeez, O.P. After this debacle, he suggested the Princess Theater should be called the Duchess Theater or perhaps even 21 Steps because no theater is quite the same after an experience like this. <laughs> Besides the six songs heard during the evening, Irving Berlin's There's No Business Like Show Business was sung by Carrie Fisher. Why? Like, I didn't even know she was a singer. Well, I mean, her mom is Debbie Reynolds. I know, so that, but I mean, I've never but seen she's her. Not, I mean, that's not what her bread and butter was, yeah. certainly. But also the timing wasn't, like, she grew up in a time where maybe movies were more accessible to her anyway. I don't know that she... I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard her sing. Uh, Barnes trusted that ASCAP is arranging for Berlin to receive royalties because why should anyone suffer? Oh, Lordy. The critic also noted that during the entire 1979-1980 season, one show would no doubt claim a gold medal for being unutterably, unutterably awful. Good grief. Stupendously bad and pitifully dismal. And he clearly believed... Censored scenes from King Kong had a good chance for winning that award. Wow. So, like, maybe we should have, like, a Razzies for theater. Mm. The floppies. The floppies. <laughs> excellent. I think I'd want to win one, though, with the, a cute name like that. The floppies. <laughs> <laughs> I want a floppy, Mom. <laughs> so, funny. so now I'm going to skip back to what I wrote out, which is going to be the most scattered because it was just information that I was pulling from here and <laughs> hither and thither. Um, but the first part of this is going to be from that forum that I spoke about on BroadwayWorld.com. Oh, I just want to say, mm. like, I saw two hotels. So the oh, W okay. uh, and then there and then at the other corner across is the Olive Garden and there's a hotel in there, too. Okay. It, I guess it would be the, the one that would be in built in the 1980s. Do you think that's the the Olive Garden one? The, that's where the well now it's called the Renaissance Hotel. It might have been called something else back yeah. then. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so the there was a forum that was just censored scenes from King Kong where mm-hmm. someone was like, has anyone seen this musical? I'd love to hear about it. And so there were a lot of people that were bringing up title of show. And I at first title I had no show. idea why. Except that there is yeah. a song in title of show where they mention all of these Broadway flops. And they happen to mention censored scenes from King Kong in that musical number. So all of these TOS people came out yeah. of the woodwork for this forum. And I was just like scrolling through going, come on, so give me funny. some real stuff. <laughs> and then I found it. Uh, Scott Briefer. Mm-hmm. is his alias. Okay. Not really because it's his actual name. But <laughs> <laughs> he posted this. This was posted back in 2008, uh, November 16th, 2008. And he writes, It was bizarre but fascinating. It was about a code embedded into removable scenes from King Kong that when played would signal the military to take certain actions. It's many years ago, but I remember the play with music totally captivating. Oh, wow. He said it was episodic in structure with many short scenes and clever yet economical sets. I remember loving it. Now, (laughs) I was confused by this. Yeah. Because after having read all of these really very bad reviews. Yeah, really terrible. Then to come across the guy that was sitting in the audience just as a regular Joe Schmo, yeah. just like me, and well, maybe not you and me, but well, maybe, yeah, actually, because yeah, he seems like he would be the kind of guy that would just go and see whatever was playing. Mm-hmm. But just any normal New Yorker going to see their whatever new Broadway show there is, yeah. and he's loving it. So then Karen24, also on this forum, writes, uh, also on uh, November 16, 2008, This is a very long link, and I don't know if it'll work, but it's an excerpt from a book called The American Theater, and that's when I read. Oh. Uh, And it came up when I did a Google search. It was on the second page of the results. In summary, in case the link doesn't work, which it did, uh, she just explains all of what I just read to you. I think it's, I mean, and that's, uh, that's not as interesting, actually, as what Scott Briefer wrote, because she wasn't actually in the audience, but then he was reminded of something mm-hmm. by reading that review, and then he came back to say, oh my gosh, I totally remember that song. Mm-hmm. It, it made me feel fill in the blank, you know what I mean? And so, so like, crazy. But you know what? That's what theater is. It totally is. Because it's like, sometimes I feel like the critics get a hold of it, and sometimes the audiences love it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a lot of shows on this, yeah. uh, or a lot of shows that we've done the on this podcast. loved it. The critics didn't. It was panned. Yeah. And although it had a following, mm-hmm. and it st- maybe even still continues to have a following, yeah. it couldn't go anywhere because yeah. the critics didn't allow it. Yeah. Interesting. So I already mentioned the musical I've numbers. I've never heard reviews that bad on this. Like, <sighs> Me neither. Like, really... Wow. <laughs> So then I found by Michael T. Mooney on a website called papermoon4.tumblr.com. He writes, during the Broadway musical title of show, a song called (laughs) Monkeys and Playbills mentions a myriad of Broadway flop musicals. Among the most obscure has to be Censored Scenes from King Kong, which opened at the Princess Theater on March 6th in 1980. More a play with music. The show was written by Howard Schumann who had also done a film of the same name for the BBC in 1973. Schumann said he was inspired by seeing the line censored scenes from King Kong on the cover of Esquire magazine, a feature about those clips that were trimmed for re-releases, like the negative, oh, excuse me, like the native being stomped by King, 
uh, of by King Kong and of King Kong sniffing his fingers. Those were two of the scenes in particular. Schumann had staged a theatrical version in the UK to some success, mm -hmm. so a Broadway production seemed inevitable. The plot does indeed concern a modern-day investigative journalist coming to Tokyo, uh, coming from Tokyo to London to track down the censored scenes, uh, believing they excised clips contain. Uh, oh, the excised clips contained secret messages for enemy agents. It was also a comedy. In fact, the show was subtitled a comic extravaganza, which is generally warning enough that it may not be. <laughs> The cast was estimable even by 1980 standards. Carrie Fisher, Peter Reigert, Stephen Collins, Chris Sarandon. Critics savaged the show, saying it was a lousy evening. It was the worst. Associated Press started by saying, if this is what wowed him in London, then London should be arrested on drug charges. And ended with a warning that it was sure a, a sure cure for insomnia. That was the Associated Press. Clive Barnes went so far as to say that the princess, oh, I had already mentioned that, that it, uh, not, um, no theater is quite the same after an experience like King Kong. Not surprisingly, the show closed after three days and five performances. So I wish that I was able to find more information on this because after reading the stuff that I did read, yeah. I was just, I wanted so badly to find more information. I even, tr uh, at one point, considered reaching out to Scott Briefer. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, because I didn't have the time. Yeah. But, I mean, that would be an interesting thing. I don't know, Scott, do you listen to the podcast? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I might actually still reach out to him. Uh, I don't know if be, this was 10 years ago, more, it was yeah. 12 years ago. Years ago yeah. So who knows if he's even got the same, I've got a sneeze, but it's just a, <coughs> excuse me, itchy Bless nose, you. not the corona. <laughs> I did it into my elbow. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, but it's, in, I mean, it is interesting it, to, to get su such a divide between yeah. the, you know, and I, it was just it's one audience to, like, with several see, critics. To, to hear from someone who saw shows. Completely. Like, uh, like when Senator Joe, we did that one. Yes. Um, he then came from the fact that I spoke to someone who had seen it and I'd never heard of that yes. show. Um, uh, so that's like really a lot of fun. So if you, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, if yeah. you were living in New York city in the 1980s, and you which saw that, would have been difficult to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, and you saw, Hey, I would even posit any show that you saw that ended up being a flop, you let me know because we have a list going, but yeah. we, you know, we can we always, always add, add to, that. to it. Yeah. But that's fun. That's such a, so odd. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. So odd. It's an odd, well, because I was going to say it's an odd idea. Yeah. But it's not really. Because like, I, I would watch that as like, like a, a kind of quirky, mm -hmm. like sort of PBSC, yeah, BBC, like an episode of Doctor Who, right? Like that's how I would watch, yeah. like the, with it, a little tongue in cheek, yeah. Like that's all it really needed to be, that's, and I think I'm, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I think the reason critics didn't like it as much is because it came off as like it was coming off as super campy, like yeah. American camp Broadway. Yeah, but it was not funny enough to be in that genre. So 
And and also, British humor is different from American totally. humor. But and they didn't. The British didn't like it. Even well, so that the British it was oh it was an okay run in in the UK. Because then they say it was more American. Isn't that what that you was said? the televised version. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that was the same or not. Right. Okay. But even that didn't. I mean, that wasn't not well received. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it just was what it was. Right. But British and I love British humor. Same. It doesn't work as camp, and that's why it's funny though. Yeah. Like I don't like camp. I don't think it's funny. Or it's funny the first joke, and then after that... You're just beating a dead horse. Right, and I don't care about that. Like, yeah. I don't want to watch that. That's not funny to me. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely ways to make this a funny... Like, it would be comedic. I feel like it, like... I feel like it shouldn't have been a stage show. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been much better if it had been, like, what we were talking about. Right. Like a... Not a series, but one of those, like hour and a half, two hour televised movie situations. Mm -hmm. And fine, you could still have, you know, music inside the club because that works for the story, but it doesn't need to be a musical. Like the the actors don't need to be singing. It could be just like, you know, and we pan over and hear part of a song. Well, you know what I mean? I will say to create ambiance. Honestly, when I was reading the synopsis about the televised version where it says he woke up from being in a coma and didn't know where he was. And like sometimes it's all a dream. That's like a trope. No, but I, I read it not as a comedy, but all, but as like a beautiful mind kind of thing where, you know, he, He's he is in a psychotic break, but right. he is totally and thoroughly convinced that he all he needs to do is find these deleted scenes and then everyone else will see. No, I promise, right. you know, these are the enemy. Like, we've got to do this otherwise. And everyone else is like, dude, World War Two was 10 years ago. Yeah, like, get yeah. over it. I love a psychological thriller. Totally. And there can still be comedy. There can still be yeah. moments of humor. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like if you if someone wrote it today, yeah, I, yeah, I I feel like it's it is. You're right. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it was executed correct. Yes. Well, yeah. yes, of course, didn't see it. Ne- neither of us were born then. No, I was. No, no, neither of us were born say then. I was, and I'm like, um, I'm no. pretty sure I wasn't. No. <laughs> um. So you know, we didn't see it, but uh, I, I feel it from what we uh, can uh, can know. It just mm. seems like it just there's a place for it, but maybe the stage wasn't the place <laughs> for that story to be told. Right or. Or just the way it was being Executed, told wasn't yeah. right. I mean, like if you just think of like, <laughs> there are several different parts to a show. Yeah, you've got your venue, you've got your story, you've right. got your actors, you've right. got the direction. None of those things were in the same room. Like it was just it just it was a mismatch. Yeah, like they took the venue from that show. But then they put the director from that show in and then they took the, you know, so it, just none the of it hodgepodge. made sense together. And it, yeah, it's also, interesting. Also, did you say mismatch? Mismatch. With okay. an M. Okay. It sounded like I you just said need, mismatch. Here, let me get some water. I was <laughs> legit. I was like, that's going to be a new word to use. <laughs> mismatch. Actually, I kind of like it. Mismatch. 
Um, I'm going to say Mitch Natch from, Miss Natch from now on. I had my laptop in my lap and I was holding on to my water bottle legit for five minutes while reading that. And I still never took a drink of water. So I was engrossed. So, so there we go. odd. That's all I can yeah. say about it. It's just so, so odd. Yes. But like fascinating. Yeah, totally fascinating. Yeah. I was looking for like interviews with people, like and some I of the actors. And I wish there was a way to find that what was recorded. Yeah, but I'm really wondering if the there library has to be of a the way. performing arts has it, or yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it would be it would be the it's the BBC that was going to televise it, so it would be right. somewhere in England. London. It's got to be some sort it of has archive. To be. I'd be really interested to to watch that. <laughs> as odd as it is, I just want to understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just want to like email Chris Sarandon and be like, "Hey, what happened with this? Yeah, like tell me the the actual tea." <laughs> but de definitely reach out to the the dude on Broadway World. Oh yeah, Scott Briefer. I will if 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 it's possible to find him on Facebook or whatever. Maybe we'll do a little bonus Does ep. anybody know this person? Who knows Scott Briefer? That yeah. was, I mean, I'm assuming that his, his real name as well. It could just be his handle. Right. But it's S-C-O-T-T -T space B-R-I-E-F-E-R. -E -E okay. That's his handle on broadwayworld.com. Uh, I know that he, that was in 2008, but I think that he also then returned in 2012 to put another little post on that same oh, forum. Wow. So it could be that he's still active. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to look this up. It'd be interesting. It would be. I love firsthand accounts. Totally. Of odd stuff. Totally. <laughs> Like when I did an interview with my friend who was in Rebecca and was yeah. like, I was just, man, finding out so much stuff on that. That was really cool. Rebecca. Yeah. That just keeps taking turns, man. Oh, I forgot to talk about this on the mini <laughs> Adela Holtz are dying. Oh, yeah. So if you guys remember, it was Senator Joe, Indeed, right? Senator Joe. If you guys remember back, this is a total aside. This is nothing to do with the King Kong <laughs> music, our show we just talked about. But if you guys remember Adela Holzer from the Senator Joe episode I did, this woman, I kept saying her life story was so much more fascinating than Bernie Madoff's. Mm -hmm. And it really, really was. And she was an embezzler. <laughs> she was, uh, she did theatrical Ponzi schemes, basically. And um, she is one of the reasons why Senator Joe went down the way that it did. Uh, but like she, her backstory is crazy. I tell all of it on the Senator Joe episode, if you haven't listened to it and she died in January. Mm -hmm. So she was in her early eighties. Um, and I'm still very much like, I don't understand why, you know, the Lonnie prices of the world mm. haven't tried to make some sort of docudrama about totally. her life because I think it would be, um, way more interesting than the Wizard of Lies movie mm. that's about Bernie, which was good. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love Bobby D, guys. Not saying I don't love Bobby <laughs> D. But, oh, man. I mean, that's like, that's a part that if a, that's a part that a woman would win 
an Academy Award for. It's mm. real good. She's she's Who she was crazy. Her? Who would play Adela Holzer? Oh goodness. Hmm. You could maybe do you could maybe do a Judy situation. Not not Judy, the Renee Zellweger one, like the TV movie one mm-hmm. where you had two actresses play her at two different times, young. right? So you had like Tammy Blanchard and I forget the other woman's name. She's yeah. a majestic actress. What's her name? I can't recall, can't recall right it now. right now. I think um, like a Jane Fonda could play the older. Well, she I would like her to be Latinx. Okay. Because that's what she that's was. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, um, give me some cheat. Oh, Rita Moreno. Yes, when she goes to jail that last time uh-huh. in her seventies. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> Especially when, like, there's that notorious photo of Adela Holzer in her mansion that's like been stripped <laughs> of everything. Yeah. It's like. It would be like a Latinx Sunset Boulevard type situation because she's like lost her mind and she's dressed beautifully. But like the government took everything. Oh, my goodness. You guys, I need someone to make this movie. (laughs) I really do. Let's do it. (sighs) Putting it out there. Hopefully somebody will listen and want to do it. (laughs) Man, so good. Awesome. Well, well thanks thank, you for listening. Yeah. Thanks you for listening. Thanks you. <laughs> We're tired. <laughs> it's been a long year. <laughs> it's only March. I know, girl. Oh, it's Lordy. been a long year. It has been. Puddle has been not so patiently waiting to go out to go to the bathroom. So signing off. Bye guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening. We'll hopefully get another episode out pretty soon. Yeah. So Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm doing that while also playing with Puddle's ears. So it's a visual joke. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.